This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. Happy Sunday, everybody. Welcome into Sports Sunday, soon to be Football Sunday. We are. I thought we were going back to Football Sunday today until I heard the music. No, because Football Sunday always begins when the NFL season begins. The problem, the, the problem is that week one of the NFL season, we are off because the Seahawks have a 10 a.m. game. <laughs> Isn't that, doesn't that suck? So we should have probably been. Well, no, we'll do it week two. We'll be football Sunday week two. Don't you worry. Yeah. yeah. Well, do you you want to be football Sunday already? Well, I say I we mean, go football Sunday next week because college football has started and it's starts. week one for next week. All right. Joe is the producer. He gets to choose. We're going football Sunday next week. Next week. Okay. It what has it? begun. This is the final episode of Sports Sunday, even though 99% of it's going to be football anyway today because, well, football's going on. Well, the Blazers made, made some moves, right? I heard. They made up. They made a move. Would you like to talk about Larry Nance Jr.? Got to change the franchise, bro. Would you like to talk we, about Larry Nance Jr.? <laughs> I think we have to. Okay. Well, then 75% of the show will be football, and a little bit will be. A little bit will be Larry Nance Jr. But we, I mean, we've got the season starting in a couple of weeks. We've only done a couple of divisional previews. We now know starting quarterbacks at various, uh, various teams. So there's a lot of stuff to get to on the show today. Uh, you can text us throughout the show, 503-250-1080. And then you can find us on social media at 1080 the is the station. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Rashad's at TaylorMade 503. And Joe is at Joe Fish 3 F-I-S-C-H. I want to start with this, though, because it came in. It's from our P1 that does the Ask Anything segment. You can immediately change one rule about any professional sport. What do you change? Mm. He says, mine would be in golf. I would give one mulligan per player every round. How interesting would it be if two players are tied at the top with two holes to go in the Masters, but one still has his mulligan? Hmm? Adds a little drama. This is tough. Oh, I mean, because there's a lot of dumb rules out there. Yes, there are. And I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind that's obvious is I would change all the stupid baseball rules that are currently happening. Like I would get rid of the extra runner or the the base runner in extra innings. I would get rid of the seven inning double headers, although I don't hate that. But I I just like my classic baseball. Um, I would get rid of those rules for sure. But uh, it's a tough one to think of off the top of your head. Man, I'm trying to think right now of, of a rule that I hate. 
There's one that came to mind, uh, Mike. You're or the exa- new taunting rule. You're exactly right with the extra inning rule. That was one of them that came to mind. But right now, uh, the first one that came to mind was the ball out of the back of the end zone. It is a touchback for the other team. Oh, in football, instead, of, well, sometimes it's a touchback. Well, so yeah, like that. <laughs> sometimes op- it's a safety. <laughs> well, if the offense is driving and say they, you know, catch a pass and they're at the five and they fumble it and the ball rolls out of the back of the oh, end zone, right. it's touchback the other, for the other team, team gets the ball yep. at the 20 yard line. I do not like that rule. I don't know what you change it to. I don't know what the solution is, but I'm not a big fan. Well, of what that don't one. you like about it? Uh, the fact that because it goes out of bounds, if it went out of bounds at the one, the offense still keeps the ball and gets the ball at the one. But because okay. of that one yard difference. And it going and, and it going out of the back of the end zone like it's I see what you're saying. You know, you're in the red zone. Uh, obviously, it's a fumble. It could have been recovered by the defense, but seems like quite a drastic change from oh for out one of, yard. Yeah, yeah, out of the one to oh other team gets the ball and they get it at the twenty. You screwed up. I mean, you bringing that up reminds me. I would probably change the onside kick rule. The onside kick is stupid and doesn't work anymore. Where you yeah, can't it's... run up and try and catch it and knock knock people out no i i would change it completely to be what they i i think would be a brilliant rule and make it like a fourth and 15 play if you want to do an onside kick you got to convert a fourth and 15 and if you don't then the team gets the ball where you were tackled or didn't or where where the line of scrimmage was and if you do convert it well then you get the ball again that just adds more excitement it adds more offense the onside kick is useless at this point completely useless yeah i mean i would change it works like what four percent of of the time maybe 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 less so i don't know i'm having a tough time with this to 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 be honest i don't know if there's a rule that i just absolutely hate i mean one thing that i mean i don't like the no taunting thing in the nfl i think that's stupid considering what's taunting i understand if you're standing over somebody and giving them the dx you know crotch chop like that you know (laughs) makes sense but please someone do that yeah but for the most part like i don't there's not really a rule i hate i guess for me it's um foul outs in the nba like i would i i don't think there's anything worse than watching your best player sit the bench for the last three minutes of a game is this very specifically because you got so mad at nurk this year for oh, fouling no, out in no, the playoffs yeah, oh, man, yes like but <laughs> and texted the two of us joe and i how angry you were every time it happened yeah it's it's oh nurk it was infuriating during the playoffs and if you weren't infuriated as a blazer fan then we we probably aren't on the same page as far as what we think man great big man should do but either way i don't like the idea of like tight game you know and and guys are playing tight defense and you know you foul out with six like i don't know maybe some a free throw in the ball or some type of thing to keep the best players on the floor towards the end of the game like i would like to see would that you just idea. increase the amount of fouls they can ha- they can have mm, or do you no, think that there makes should it be too- some penalty right because yeah. there should be after a certain amount of fouls then this is going to happen i think there should be some penalty but okay I so, hate the so idea. if you hit six plus fouls it's almost as if like it's a flagrant yeah, that's get, what I'm saying. They get you the get, shot and then the ball. The, exactly. Okay. Maybe two shots and, and the ball. It's like, okay. like Ooh, I've that, never thought about that, that before. Changes, that all of a sudden changes things. And, you know. Th- it's still a punishment. It's still a punishment. But you get to see your best players stay on the floor, you know, for for a little longer. And now, depending on the time of the game, that could be worse than the player fouling out of the game. Ab- absolutely. Like if there's like two minutes left and, and Yusuf Nurkic fouls out, it's like, oh, okay. Good job, big man. You were, you were, it was a physical game. We get it. Right. Two minutes left and he gets the sixth foul. And now they get shots in the ball, and you were down by two in a tight game. That's yeah, exactly brutal. in a tight game, or they're up or whatever. Like, yeah, that could be, <laughs> that could be tough. So maybe one shot in the one shot in the ball, two shots in the ball. Like either way, it's a 
is a big swing in momentum mm. for, for teams. So I think that would be the one rule that I was like. I like where your brain's I, at I th- on that one. I think I heard Van Gundy say that one time, and I was like, man, that's, a, that's an awesome idea. So there is one rule that I wouldn't – it's not that I would have changed, but I had learned about it just a couple of days ago because obviously everyone's freaking out about the NFL taunting rule that's going to happen. But someone, I forget who the writer was for ESPN, but they brought up that like one rule that's going to be different this year in the NFL that is probably going to have people losing their minds is apparently they added a new blocking rule that there's a, a zone where you can block underneath the hips, basically like a chop block, you know, how linemen kind of dive mm-hmm. at the legs. They created, like, just within this tight end and five yards in front and behind the line of scrimmage, you can do that. But anything outside of that, if you try to go low on a player blocking, so like a pulling offensive lineman like on, on a screen, screen play. Pad, yeah. yeah, apparently that's going to be a flag this year. And that is, like, when I read that, it's like that's muscle memory for a lot of offensive linemen. That Absolutely. when they're well, because they're slower, they're just trying to get in the way. Yeah, and yeah. when they're running downfield, how often do you see a lineman going diving at dude's legs, taking them out? Almost like, never. All I mean. All the time. I mean, that when they're on those screen plays. Oh, scoring a screen play, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. little dump off passes. Or, but does that mean they're legalizing that the chop block because they? That's always been penalized where you're like going after a guy's ankles, even if you're on the line of scrimmage. Well, it's like below the waist blocking. So okay. it's it's kind of like a gray area where it's when it's outside of the tight end, the essentially kind of like the pocket. But I foresee the, no problems with this gray area rule that's going to be started this year. I, I, I think that it's going to happen a few times and people are going to be like, what the hell is this penalty for? And they're going to start calling it and people are like, well, that's dumb. Like they've been doing this forever. It's going to be something that players are going to have to get used to. But well, I was no right about the other day. There's no real place you can aim except the, the thighs. Like, is that where the... Is, I is guess that's that the, the gray you know, zone. Is, yeah, I mean... Go for the crotch. That, yeah, go for the, the crotchal region because anything else you know, is, is clearly... A flag, and the thing about it is, if you notice, like when we were younger, football play, especially running backs and stuff, they always wore thigh pads and knee pads. These dudes that play, you know, running back and receiver, they don't really wear those anymore. No, you know, and they so, need to be more like, aerodynamic those, and light. Yeah, well, yeah. So those those chop blocks, you know, those ones that go at your at your thighs and your knees, those are, you know, a lot more dangerous now than they used to be back then. Oh, and this is a great one. I didn't come to me first of mind here, but uh, change the ejection rule for targeting in college football. Go to an NHL model where the player has to sit for a few minutes of the game, but they're they're allowed to come back in. I, I like that. Depends on the play. If it's an egregious play, and, and you can tell, well, it's it was, the, that's the same as the yeah. NHL model. You yeah. know, you can you can get minors, majors, you can get ejected from the game. Yeah, yeah, the, exactly. If you kind of model it like that, I think that'd be good because there's a a lot of times that frustration takes over, and that's when a lot of those you know, or some of those um, high hits come. So some of it's just common sense that it. it it punishes everybody for accidental targeting hits. Yeah. When it's yeah. accidental, absolutely. Right. But, but I'm college football still punishes people for it yeah. or it ejects them. So, yeah, just that, I like that too. Make it like a penalty box. Hey, you're not allowed to come back into the game until there's 745 left in the quarter. Well, yeah, whatever the, or you can, whatever, you know, depending it is. on the hit or, you know, if you kind of judge it on some flagrant one, flagrant two type stuff, like as far as what's an egregious hit and what was just accidental, then, you know, maybe it's a quarter, maybe it's, half the quarter but either way like the game you know for an accidental hit is crazy talk i guess that would be simpler is just say you miss a quarter right you know like and 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 if it's like in the middle of the second quarter you can come back in the middle of the third quarter there you go does that does that make sense you You have to miss at least when that seems a little more logical like what 12 uh 50 minute quarters yeah 
15 minutes. doesn't matter from what to, from where to where, 15 minutes. And it may even leak into the next game. You can't pay the, play the first four minutes of if it of happens the game, in the fourth quarter, you know, yeah. If it happens in the fourth quarter, it's like a it's like a half suspension. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So just to uh, clear up that blocking rule, a uh, chop block is if somebody is already being blocked and then someone goes, goes for, for the, the legs. legs. Yeah, so like high low. Uh, whereas a cut block, you see that all the time. Dudes just diving at the feet and taking guys out, and it's gonna be a fifteen yard penalty if anybody on the offensive or defensive line does it. Oh, so, or on offense or defense. So if, but out, but outside of that zone, outside of yeah, two yards outside, like the tight ends and five yards within the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's going to be weird. So yeah. receivers. Yeah. You see that a lot on screen plays. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I'm telling you, it's like, and it's going to be muscle memory for those guys that the first few weeks, I'm sure you're going to see that penalty called a lot. And it's 15 yards. I mean, that's, and this is where coaching is going to come in. Cause you're going to see which teams have practiced this and which teams are you know mindful of the of the rules and the, and the changes and everything so this is where uh coaching and penalties is going to be a, a big part of the season interesting I, li- I like a lot of those ideas we should be commissioners i think so too <laughs> let's do it all right let's uh let's get into the show here we will discuss the blazers trade i did forget that happened this week but uh we have a couple of divisions we're gonna have to preview because we're a little behind uh, you know, we've had we've had kind of an inconsistent summer on this show, probably more so than any summer that we've had before. We've been living, baby. So we have because COVID's over and we're trying to live. Yeah. Um, so we still have five divisions to go. The NFC North, the AFC South, the NFC South and both West divisions. So we've got two weeks to do them. We'll try to get them all done in the next two weeks. Uh, so uh, would you like to begin with the Blazers trade and then get to all football or do you want to break it up? And we middle? can wait for that till for later. Yeah, on. Right, yeah. yeah, we're we're no we're in no big rush to talk about Larry Nance. I mean, the, it's OK. From what, nine, I've, nine, from what I've heard, people are loving the move. Nine, nine points and six rebounds. A, a, from a what game, I've heard, the Blazers you know, getting lots of A's in their trade grades for him. That's all I'm saying. Hey. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do some divisional previews then. Huh? Let's get into the get into the NFL. We'll start with the NFC North Bears Lions sort of. Packers and Vikings. That's next. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad and Joe with you until 11 o'clock this morning. This is our final edition of Sports Sunday before we transition into Football Sunday. Did you not find it? What's happening here? No, I didn't find it. I'll find it during the next break. Okay. Yeah. Rashad lost the paper that he said he was going to keep lose safe. The paper. It was here. <laughs> it's here in the building and I just... I saw the red light come on. I was like, maybe I should, maybe I should get back to the show. We'll, <laughs> did you, I'll did you forget exactly where you put it? No, I didn't. I just, I didn't turn on the light like an idiot. And then I saw the red light come on. I was like, okay, I, pr- I should probably go. <laughs> I think we waited too long to the break. I to was going to get, it. I was going to give you a second to get it. I was yeah, going to stall for you. My bad. My bad. I figured we will start and then I'll, I'll go back. Okay. I'll, I'll, right. I'll, if Joe, if Joe could, if maybe you could write down our, the, the our predictions just for, just yeah, for this one. That. <laughs> and then he'll and then he'll add it to his I, list. I was thinking of that piece of paper this morning too. I was like, oh, I wonder if Rashad like taped it to the window, or if he just left it right there. I don't want to leave. It. I'm going to leave it in here once uh once we're done with it. You know, kind of. Ah, uh, so that then it'll get lost and we'll totally forget about the predictions that we've done. No, no, no. It's going to be right here on the wall, on the on the mirror. All right. Or excuse me. On so the so wall. it'll get lost then. No. Is what you're saying? Unless you know, 
Dusty or you know AJ or whomever wants to th- is going to throw it away. But well, maybe it'll fall, maybe. or maybe someone will be cleaning. No, I'm going to get something nice and sticky to put on here, <laughs> okay. and it'll be fine. <laughs> Got you. Ugh, nice and sticky. That's one way to Dude. put it. All right, let's start with uh, let's start with what I would argue to me at least is the most interesting team in the NFC North. And that's purely because of the quarterback decision. It's the Bears. Oh, I was right. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. I mean, look, we, we know the Packers with Rodgers and Adams fully back and, with, you know, staying this year is gonna, are going to be good. And uh, the Lions are going to suck. And the Vikings, are, I guess, are, are, are curious team. But I'm really interested in the Bears this year because of what they do at quarterback. They drafted Justin Fields. He's looked pretty good throughout the preseason so far. Frankly, most of the rookie quarterbacks have looked good throughout the preseason so far. Uh, Trey Lance showed some weakness in his first game, but he's turned out to look pretty good, although all the talk is that Jimmy Garoppolo will be named starter there at least to begin the season, um, or at least that's the that's the feel I got based on the, the videos and clips I saw. But uh, right now, it still seems like Andy Dalton will start for the Bears. And I'm curious to, th- I'm curious to see when the Bears decide to go to Justin Fields. The uh, Andy Dalton's fine. Andy Dalton will, will, I don't know, get you like 14 points. But is he really going to win you a lot of games? So I, I'm curious to see how long they do it. I don't mind them not starting Justin Fields right away because he's a rookie. You want to want to make sure, right? You know, you want to be fully 100% that he's going to help you win more than the guy you have already. But I, I, I can't imagine the Bears go more than a couple of weeks without switching, switching to Justin Fields. I don't know when the Bears are going to learn. Like, you know, you finally got your guy, it looks like. Justin Fields, you think he looked, he's looked okay. I think he's looked awesome in the preseason. And just the few snaps that he's played, you know, even the last game he played, you know, seven for ten for a touchdown. You know, just a, one drive, one really good drive. And then the, the, the ball he threw, the confident ball he threw between two different def- two defenders, it's like that's a, that's a ballsy throw right there. Like, I mean, either you're a really – uh, you have really bad accuracy or, or or bad judgment, or you just really thought that much of yourself to where you could make that play between two defenders in the end zone. So I think Justin Fields is clearly the answer here. And after guys like Mitchell Trubisky and after Jay Cutler and Rex Grossman and, you know, insert terrible Bears quarterback here, like you finally got it. It looks like you finally got a guy that's going to be able to play the position. And more than that, not just stand there and take the hit. At least because it's going to try to move and make plays down the field. And so I think I'm. I understand why you know they're they're going that route as far as um, starting Andy Dalton. Like I get it, but don't. Why? Like if you, if if he gives you the best chance to win right now, and it looks like he has a pretty good understanding of your offense. Like don't start him because he's the the veteran. Like I I get it, but if you feel like he's ready to play now. Or if you feel like he can't help you win right now, then what are you waiting for? Well, does that not make you think that they don't think he's ready then? It, I mean, if all the it, talk is it, that they're going to stay with Andy Dalton? I, I think it's the safe thing to do. Like, not a lot of people are going to argue the fact that you're going to start Andy Dalton because he's the the veteran, you know. But it's like kind of like the Cam Newton situation. It's like, you know, it, it, it looks like, you know, the other kid might be better than Cam right now. And unfortunately, like, they Cam is – is the starter and he's the veteran and you know that's who you go to because he has a better understanding of the NFL and the way things are supposed to go but you know 
learning can be the best uh, experience at times. And so I, I don't know. I think Justin Fields should be the starter. I think it gives you the best chance to win at this point. We, we know everything we need to know about Nick Foles at this point. We know everything we need to know about Andy Dalton at this point. I forgot Nick Foles was there. Yeah, so, I mean, why not take it, take a chance and put your guy out there? I'm looking at their schedule, if my computer would load. So they play Mine's being slow too. Uh, at Rams week one, Bengals at home week two, at Browns week three, and then the Lions week four. When do you think Justin Fields is, is in there? Well, week four, maybe it's probably, I mean, it, it, you, that's it's a great thing. We, it's not week one because Justin Fields is going to have Aaron Donald coming after him <laughs> and a great one. secondary. And, and exactly. And, you don't, you don't want to see that, but it's probably after the loss to the Browns. You know, so you think I, they'll I, probably be one in one and one. They'll probably beat the Bengals. Although, you know, I don't think the Bengals are going to be true slouches this year. They'll probably be one and two after the Browns loss and then going into the Lions, which should be an easier game. You think they give Justin Fields the start I think there? That's where he give him some confidence. Hey, Detroit sucks. Come win us. A Absolutely. Game. And it, it, it really depends on how much uh, Andy Dalton sucks against the Rams. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, you know, if he comes if out he there comes and out really lays an edge. Yeah, exactly. If he come, or if he comes out there like gangbusters. But Andy Dalton's not a bad quarterback. Joe will probably disagree, you know, with that a little bit. But Andy Dalton wasn't a terrible quarterback. At a point, the Bengals were considered one of the best rosters in all of football, and he was a part of that. So it's not. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's a terrible quarterback because he can go out there and win you some games. But, man, I don't, I don't think he's ever – been the athlete that Justin Justin Fields is, and I think that's kind of my thing. I don't I don't think he's ever. I don't, I don't know if he'll ever be the you know kind of competitor that it looks like Justin Fields is at this point. So we'll see. But I can see by week two if he has has a bad week one that they say okay, let's go ahead and get the rookie out there. There's also a stretch of games that, like if say Dalton maintains for the first three four weeks or whatever. They get into a part of their schedule where it gets rough after week five. So week six, Packers, week seven, Bucks, week eight, 49ers. Everyone expects them to be better. Mm-hmm. Week nine, Steelers. They get the bye week. And then week 11, Ravens. Oh That's boy. like a five-game stretch right there. <laughs> yeah. That is just brutal. They got a tough schedule, let me tell you. They also have the Seahawks later in the year. And obviously in the division, you got the Packers twice. Yeah, that's a really difficult schedule, man. Well, and I'm looking through their their transaction list here. They didn't do anything massive in terms of adding players. Maybe Damian Williams, the running back from the Chiefs, is probably the the biggest name you would know who they added, and he's going to be their backup, of course, behind Montgomery. But, uh, yeah, beyond that, they didn't do a ton. They did lose Kyle Fuller. They released him. He went to the Broncos this year. But um, beyond that, it's mostly a similar team outside of drafting Justin Fields, of course. So uh, the over-under for them is seven and a half. What are you going? Sounds about right. I'd probably <laughs> right. go. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably go uh, seven and ten. Okay, so under. Yeah, uh, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Mm. I was thinking. I, I really don't think Matt Nagy is going to last too long this year. I feel like this is his last chance to prove it, or he's going to be fired. Although I don't know, they've kept him a lot longer than I would have if I was running the Bears. I think I'm going to say six and eleven for Chicago. Yeah, that's where I'm going to. That that. Five game stretch, stretch games. It could be rough. And then if they go to fields at that point, I mean, they could get some, you know, new quarterback confidence wins, but then the complete locker room might be lost at that point. Yeah. I'm going six and 12. All right. Coming up six next, and 11, six and 11. There we go. 17 games. Yes. Not 18. Not yet. Math. Um, 
Coming up next, we'll do the rest of the division. That was uh, kind of the, the highlight for me. We'll do Packers, Vikings, and Lions. This is Sports Sunday. Here is Joe of Sports. Smoking on your top five tonight. Tonight, I'm smoking on your what's the name tonight. tonight. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I thought you know better. I've been ducking the pandemic. I've been social gimmicks. I've been ducking the overnight activist. Hi, this is Sports Sunday. This song caught me for a loop. What is this? Uh, new uh, new Kendrick. Well, I know it is, but Baby, this is new? Baby Keem and Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Okay, so this is like not an al- He hasn't released an album. It's just a single? New single. Yeah. Okay, okay. I was like, wait a minute. I'm usually on top of this. What is this? Uh, this is really good. I like this. Okay. Um, let's move on into the rest of the NFC North. Just talked about the Bears in the first segment. Joe and I picked them to go six and eleven. Rashad said seven and ten. Let's go to the Packers, who are certainly the team who is predicted to win this division. Their over/under is ten for wins this year. Aaron Rodgers is back for one final hurrah. Devontae Adams is still there. Uh, Aaron uh, Jones is still there. The full complement of the star skill position players are still in Green Bay at this point. They actually. Didn't do a lot this offseason at all. I pulled up their their moves, and the biggest moves were re-signings. They brought back Mercedes Lewis at the tight end spot for two years and uh, re-signed cornerback Kevin King to a one-year deal. And, you know, everything else is fairly fairly small moves for them other than that. So Packers just kind of going back with, uh, well, we got Aaron Rodgers back. That was the most important thing. And we're going to do – we're going to run it back like we did last year. And last year they were fantastic. So – they did have a couple of draft picks that are going to certainly be part of the lineup. Eric Stokes was a first-round pick. He's currently lined up as a backup corner on this depth chart I'm looking at. And then Josh Myers, a center they drafted, second round, is uh, already starting at center. So they didn't really do a lot. I think they're just banking on, we're going to have Aaron Rodgers again, and let's uh, let's go run him back out there. No, and whenever you have A.A. Ron out there, you, you have a shot. Like, how many years did we see – Aaron Rodgers carry that Packers team, you know, to the playoffs and carry that Packers team through the regular season uh, and eventually cost him some shoulder injuries and knee injury and all that type of stuff. So um, looking at this roster, especially considering the the rest of the division, it's pretty easy to say that I think the Packers are going to win this division. Like, I mean, do you do, you, do we honestly think the Vikings are going to have that type of season behind no, Kirk Cousins? No, hell no, not really. Do we? Hell I mean, no. I think the Bears are like you mentioned; they're an interesting story right now. But do we think we just the predicted Bears, them to get six and seven? Exactly. Wins, like, yeah. so we don't really expect much from them. So, and the Lions, I don't even know why we have to talk about the Lions all the way, but we will anyway. Well, we'll have, it's a quick. We'll do a little no, quick we'll hit around the Lions. Yeah, the Lions are a football team. Moving on, you know that's <laughs> that's what we'll have to do. But I mean, you've got everything in place if you're. Uh, the Packers at this point. You offensively, you're set up. Defensively, you're you're better than uh, than you were. You've got Devontae Adams coming back, who you know may have become for some people the best receiver in the league. Not me, but I think he's still uh, a hell of a, a of a wide receiver and just continues to impress. So yeah, I mean, hopefully they've exercised their demons from last year. You know, hopefully between head coach and quarterback at this point, they found some type of harmony after all the BS that's happened since really since the NFC championship game, since that game and that call at the end of the, at the end of the game to not put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands, like things have been 
more than at rockier, if you can believe that, than they than they were prior. It's not like the it was a a great relationship prior to getting to the championship game. But I think that was kind of icing on the cake for Aaron Rodgers. And you went through all the stuff you went through over the summer, you know, and now here you are. The Packers haven't won a game in the preseason. And well, also you know, Aaron Rodgers hasn't, hasn't played hasn't a played, second, you yeah. know, and everything. But that, I think that's a, that's a good looking at that. It's like, yeah, that this is what happened if Aaron Rodgers wasn't on your team. These preseason losses probably become more and more standard around Green Bay. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Aaron Rodgers does. I'm a big, you know, middle finger t- uh, type of guy. So I'm a, you know, I'm a big proponent of guys going out there and bucking the system and, you know, saying, screw you, I did it anyway and did it my way. And so uh, I think the Packers should, between just between their talent on, on the offensive end, uh, they're really what they can do if they're all clicking on, clicking on all cylinders on the defensive end. I think the Packers are the best team in the division arguably the second or third best team in the entire NFC, but I'm going to give them the, the best team in their division for sure. They have the fourth highest win total in the NFC. Bucks are one, then the Rams and Niners are at 10 and a half, and then the Packers at 10, tied with the Seahawks at 10. I'm going to go the over for sure. I think the Packers are going to win 12 games this year, so 12 and five, maybe even 13 games, 13 mm. and four this year. Um, the division's not very good. I think that's the key, is you're going to be playing six games against the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears. I could see them going five and one in those six games. Yeah. So if you if you can slaughter your division and go five and one, you know, and you just play above average ball the rest of the way, that's a twelve win season right there. I mean, so. I, I, I like there's they they play some pretty some pretty good teams in between there, San Francisco and Pittsburgh and Kansas City and Seattle, you know, and then the Rams and Baltimore. Like they've got a They've, they've they've the 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 Browns like they've got some 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 juggernauts on there they've they've got some heat on there to to kind of go through so still the Packers I, though it's still the Packers and he's still Aaron Rodgers but you know you're talking about him playing Patrick Mahomes and him playing Russell Wilson and going having to, and having to stop Lamar Jackson and you know and having to stop that that onslaught in Cleveland so there's a lot of teams in between there that can give them some trouble so I'm pro- I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, eleven and six. Yeah, I've been bouncing in between. When I first went through their schedule and scanned through it, I had them at 13, and then I kind of took a step back. I'm like, all right, well, a couple of these games where I expect them to win, that's where a surprise can happen. The Bears, the Vikings, Lions, yeah, divisional opponents, they get a win. So I'm going to go with Mike and uh, say 12 wins for them. So that is going to be uh, over. So we're going to both go over. Yes. And you I mean, said, you said, oh, all three of us are going over. You said 11 wins, right? 11 and six. Yeah. So me. we're going over 10. That does, does 10 seem like a low number for you on that? I, I was going to say like, I it's kind of at least 11 for them. Yeah. I'm with Rashad yeah. there, but I think that they can get that 12th win. And it, it feels weird saying 10 is low. And I guess it's just considering there is one more game. So I don't know if that one game makes a difference, but if you'd have told me a team was winning 10 games one year, it's like, man, that might get them into the playoffs, right? Like a 10-win team could possibly get you into, well, before the um, the second seed wasn't considered a buy or was considered a buy, but now that's a that's a wild card uh, game. But, yeah, I don't know. that that It's hard to see this Packers team with Aaron Rodgers at the helm going 10-7. and seven. Like seven losses for this team. Yeah, that does seem high, right? It seems like a lot, yeah. I want. I. I mean, I'm. I'm assuming the the number I found is updated because it's on the Action Network and they're usually on top of these things. But, I mean, was it lower because they weren't sure if Rodgers was coming back, 
But like, even if that was the case, it would have gone back up by now anyway. And they do have the fourth best odds in the NFC. So maybe it is the correct one. All right. So for the Vikings, they are uh, their odds. Their over under is nine. Just one behind the Packers. Vikings obviously still with, with Kirk Cousins. You know, you can like him or you can hate him. No, he'll tell you you like that. Still have one of the best running backs in the league in Delvin Cook. Have uh, one of the best young receivers in the league based on last year in Justin Jefferson. And they made a couple of moves this year that are small moves, little one-year deals that could certainly help the team. Patrick Peterson, now a Minnesota Viking, if you forgot that. I didn't remember that. They brought in Sheldon Richardson, the defensive tackle, on a one-year deal. They brought in uh, the Chiefs corner, Brashad Breland, on a one-year deal. So they have signed a couple of guys who are kind of like, hey, let's let's fill some holes with some quick deals of guys who have had success before, um, and let's make the defense a little bit better. Uh, Patrick Peterson's getting older, but he's still good. He's no longer like the elite shutdown corner that he was earlier in his career. Um, but he's still good. And Brashad Breland as a safety for the Chiefs was always solid back there. Again, not a spectacular player, but a good a good safety for sure. I, I, I don't hate this team as much as uh, I thought I would just looking through everything. Uh, they had the Their big signing was they brought in Dalvin Tomlinson. He's a defensive tackle. They signed him to a two-year deal. Ooh, such a big signing. Right. Two years, 21 mil. So they made some improvements on the defensive side. Offensively, they didn't really do much uh, of anything to change. They drafted a left tackle with their first pick. Uh, currently on our lads, he is not the starter, but uh, I'm sure you'll see plenty of him. Christian uh, Darisaw is his name. And you got a couple of uh, third and fourth rounders who are backups right now on the defense. I think for the Vikings, it's uh, you know it's it's easy to say it's all going to come down to the quarterback, but how much is Kirk Cousins going to give you in terms of consistency? I mean, is he going to be able to get this team to that 9-10 win level or is he going to be inconsistent and throw three picks? And, you know, is the defense and is some of the older guys in the defense on the short deals, are they going to get hurt? Are they not going to be as good? Is that going to have an effect? So uh, it's an interesting team. The, the Vikings are for sure, especially with the win total at nine. I feel like that's a little bit high, but um, I could see based on the actual skill position players and the defensive additions, them being much better than I initially expected. No. And, and again, uh, Kirk cousins is, is not a bad quarterback. You know, he's, He's not great, but last year, 35 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Uh, he played well, you know, as well as you can imagine, a quarterback playing for Minnesota. So sometimes I think we we bang on him a little too, too much because Kirk Cousins hasn't really done anything but be, you know, relatively uh, relatively consistent for the, for the most part. Like, you know, he's 20 uh, since uh, 2015, 29 touchdowns, 25, 27, 30, 26, 35, like – uh, there's not a lot of bad bad quarterbacks that throw 30 touchdowns a year. You know what I mean? Like that that, that is that 30 is kind of the the number I think most quarterbacks want to have at least bare minimum per year, and he gets that just about every single year. So that's good. But I think this pack, excuse me, this Vikings team has enough to be competitive. Like I mean, you you mentioned the addition of um, excuse me, Patrick Peterson. Uh, as a corner there, and then you threw in Bashad Breeland, who was already there, and then my guy Harrison Smith, who just kind of always goes under the radar as one of the best strong safeties in the league. Nobody really ever talks about him, but Harrison Smith is always real consistent. So, oh, yeah, yeah, and so, and, and then obviously, what they have on offense between Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and Adam, Th- Adam Thielen, if he's actually able to be on the field, you know, consistently, this Vikings team can compete. And I think the one thing about this division is like we expect the Packers to win. Like we, I think that's the we've all kind of come out and given them the the biggest win total thus far, but 
if the Vikings really made a run considering the team they have, I don't think anybody's super, super surprised. I think surprised maybe because it's Kirk Cousins doing that, but I honestly don't think just based on, like, they've been in a situation to where they've been in the NFC Championship, or was it in the championship game or the game pre to the, uh, prior to the championship? Um, God, the, the I, don't, I don't know off the top of my head. I, I want to say it was the ground before. Yeah, so either way, they've they've been, you know, at least deeper in the playoffs than uh, than we think with Kirk Cousins at the helm. So I think this team can make some noise. I don't know if they're going to make as much noise as the Packers, but would it surprise me if they, you know, you know, kind of bested all of our expectations? Not at all. Not even a little bit. So what are you thinking wins-wise? Uh, wins-wise, I'm probably saying uh, probably 10 and 7 or maybe closer to 9 and 8. Probably 9 and 8. So you'll be right on the on the money on that one because there is they are over under 9. I'm going to go 8 and 9. I'm going to go slightly under 500. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a it's a team that I just it doesn't inspire confidence in me, but uh, I like a lot of the players in the team, so it's I just kind of view it as a 500 team. Yeah, going through this schedule initially, I had them at like six wins, but when you look at the team, the offense, the defense, it's going to be a competitive Vikings team this year. It's just a matter of if things go awry quickly. Mike Zimmer could lose this locker room and, they, and I mean, his job and his exactly. Yeah. I mean, and this team could turn on him very quickly. He is a red ass, like old school head football coach. And so this team, it, it could get ugly quick. If Kirk cousins is not playing well and this team finds themselves like two and five early in the season, uh, I'm going to go with Mike and I got them at eight and nine, eight wins. But again, when I first went through the schedule and saw some of the teams, they got to play, it was, um, uh, I mean, they got to play. Uh, this is the NFC North, and they got to take on the AFC North, the Ravens, Steelers, Browns. I mean, Ooh, those yeah. are going to be all three tough outs. Um, so at at best, eight and nine, I feel like. But they will be a competitive team. Uh, and then finally, we'll do a little uh, little hit here on the on the Lions before we move on. Lions over under win total is the second worst in the NFL. It is four and a half. Over under kneecaps bitten. They're going to bite your kneecaps. I was about <laughs> to throw that. Over under four and a half kneecaps bitten too. Is that the same thing? Um, Dan Campbell, the new head coach, is an insane person. But uh, this team is very bad. Very, very bad. <laughs> they made a downgrade at quarterback in the trade in the offseason to get Jared Goff uh, by getting rid of Matt Stafford. I, I think that's a certainty. Yes, he's younger, so I guess he fits the, the timeline of your team better. But... You definitely made a downgrade there. Um, you got a, a good young running back in DeAndre Swift in his second year who proved last year towards the end that he could certainly be a good running back. You signed Jamal Adams to be a backup. You also drafted Jamar Jefferson from the Beavs who uh, hurdled a, def a defender, and that was on social media, so that was cool in the preseason. And you drafted Penny Sewell from the Ducks who, from everything I've read, I, it's not like I'm watching Lions preseason games. From what I've read, he's struggling a little bit early on in the preseason kind of getting used to the speed and the strength in the NFL. So he is still slotted in as the starter. I mean, God, your number one receiver is Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman. Sheesh. Those are your top receivers. They got the Hawk dog, TJ Hawkinson at tight end. That's true. He <laughs> actually might be your number one receiver, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, for He's for sure the number one. Uh, they drafted uh, the guy from USC – with the awesome name Amon Ra St. Brown. Uh, he's, he's on there. He's, this has him as a third stringer, but, uh, and they also have, Hey, Victor Bolden. Look at that. He's on this team too. Um, 
I, look, I, I'm not going to pretend like I know a lot about the Lions. Their their big signing this year was Romeo Aquara, a defensive end. They re-signed him. He was a, a to a three-year, thirty-seven million dollar deal. Other than that, it was a lot of small deals. They gave Jamal Williams a two-year deal. They brought in Tyro Williams and Brashad Perriman. This team's not going to be good. It's not, and I'm 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 tempted to go under the four and a half and and have them with three wins this year. So I'm going to go three and fourteen for the Lions. Uh, I don't know what else to say about. I mean, I don't know. It's if, Jared Goff too. Like if, Jared Goff, who was an MVP candidate with Sean McVay, and now he's going to be biting kneecaps with Dan Campbell. Like, what's going on here? Yeah, I was going to say, man. Uh, Dan Campbell is. Excuse me. He's got. He's going to be. He's going to have some great sound bites this year. That's the one thing that we know for sure about Dan Campbell. If nothing else, he already has. Oh, already. You know, so. Outside of that, I don't really expect much from this Lions team. Looking at this roster, in my opinion, it's one of the worst rosters in football, top to bottom. Um, as a as a, at the, if you look at this depth chart, you know after a few names that you may recognize from your fantasy football league, it's a lot of like who, who. It's like you know the 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 Cleveland Indians on Major League. Like when everybody was like, man, who are these guys? Like that's <laughs> what it feels like when I'm looking at uh, this this depth chart. So. I don't expect much from them. Anything that they do that's you know any anything better than three games, four games, um, is a plus. So if they win, I'm five, just hoping for if, a good yeah, year exactly. for they win, five, they win five uh, games on the season. I think you can look at that as a win for Detroit because people don't really expect much of them. Um, you look at their their schedule, and it's 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 not terrible, but. You you've got some the, the teams that you have to play that you know either within the the your intra division games or uh, when you I think they're playing against you said the NFC AFC North is who they play. Oh uh, yeah. So Steelers, you know, Bengals, yeah, Steelers, yeah, yeah. Bengals. Like so, no, but they, uh, yeah, I don't know. They they don't. I don't think three wins is something that's you know really fathomable. If I'm if I'm being honest, so like, go to them. I'm probably going two wins. I'm probably going to wins Arizona and uh, possibly Philadelphia, but after that, like I don't really. Arizona's see better than them. Yeah, Arizona's better than them, so it might not even be Arizona. Maybe Atlanta, you know, and Atlanta without Julio. So we'll see. So yeah, maybe, maybe take one of the two against the Bears. Yeah, maybe one of the two. I don't see that happening. So and because it's in your division, there's always going to be somebody sneak up on you. So yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, three and fourteen. On the that game. is a brutal schedule, by the way. Just looking at it, I'll just read it off quickly. Niners, this is in order. Niners, Packers, Ravens to start the year. God. Bears, Vikings, Bengals, Rams, Eagles, bye. Steelers, Browns, Bears, Vikings, Broncos, Cardinals, Falcons, Seahawks, Packers. So they For the Lions. Cincinnati. Will they? Probably. Why? I don't know. Cincinnati's better than them. That's, I don't know. That's a toss-up game. Yeah, probably I don't there. know. Maybe maybe they get Cincinnati. I like maybe Joe they Burrow get, more than Jared Goff. Yeah, maybe they get uh, Atlanta. But outside of that, I don't I don't see many wins. Philadelphia is a dumpster fire. Right no. now. it's still the NFL. I'm going to go three and fourteen. That's my that's my final answer. I'm going three and fourteen as well. You know what? Let's give them a fourth win for Joe. Okay. They surprise someone. They sneak up on someone on a Sunday. Here you go, Lions. Here's your fourth win. It's a, they it's fired a Dan surprise. Campbell and they uh, they rally against the new interim head coach Anthony Lynn after that. You know, losing him. Who knows? I'm not sure they're going to fire Dan Campbell in his very first year. It could happen, but it could happen. You never know. 
All right, let's take a little palate cleanser before we dive into the next division, and we will go over the latest Blazers edition. It was a big trade. It was a big trade. That's next. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 56 here on your Sunday morning. Mike Rashad and Joe with you until 11 o'clock. Final Sports Sunday. So football Sunday begins next week. We're doing divisional previews. We're taking a quick break, though, to quickly discuss the Blazers trade that happened. No. The Blazers do not have Ben Simmons. No, the Blazers don't have Pascal Siakam. No, they don't. They got something better. They got something so much better. They got another junior on the team. Larry Nance Jr. is your latest Portland Trailblazer. Obviously, we are being incredibly sarcastic. They were part of a three-team deal. The big name in the trade was Laurie Markkinen. He went from Chicago in a sign-in trade to the Cavs. The Cavs are kind of being mocked across the board for doing this deal because they gave him a big contract and they already have a bunch of bigs. Um, But every single article I've read that gave trade grades for this actually gives the Blazers a very good grade for this deal. Now, if you're looking at it behind the glasses of everything needs to make Lillard happy to stay here, this doesn't do a lot. But if you're looking at it behind the does this make the team better glasses? Yeah, it does make the team better. Everything that I've read, I don't, I've, I'm not going to pretend like I, I know much about Larry Nance Jr. before I read about him through these articles, is that he is everything the Blazers are trying to get this offseason uh, in a bench player or rotational player. And that is a good defender to great defender. And uh, he's an incredible passer. And he can play in the pick and roll. So you kind of are giving any, and he can guard multiple positions. So that's kind of been the MO of this offseason is change the bench from guys like Mello and Cantor who can't defend anybody and uh, could score a little bit and then get a bunch of guys who can defend a lot and score a little bit is kind of how it looks. So uh, I'd say in a, in a small little move like this, okay, cool, a l- little improvement, but it doesn't really do much in terms of like this is going to make Dame want to stay beyond this year if the team doesn't do well, right? I hope. Chauncey Billups has a plan, and I hope this is part of the plan because the plan initially sounds like it was to get Laurie Markkinen, which is exactly who I've been saying the Blazers should go after. He's a free agent. And, Where have you he heard was, that? Huh? Her plan was to get Laurie Markkinen? Yeah, that's everything I've read after that says, well, the plan was actually for the Blazers to try to get Laurie Markkinen, and that didn't work out. And so we end up settling for – Really? Larry Lane, I did Larry not Nance. see that. Yeah, I'll send you the article. Yeah, absolutely. So and that's somebody I, I think would have been able to help, maybe not as defensive-minded as Larry Nance Jr. is, but Larry Nance Jr. doesn't give you much else but defense. You know, so, I mean, granted, he's about well, he's, nine points he, a game. He's eight, a very nine, good passer. Nine points a game, about uh, six six rebounds you know, a game, and that's as, as a starter. So maybe coming off the bench, those numbers are going to go down a little bit. And if he can come in and be a Draymond Green type of uh, player and energy and, you know, because he's an undersized big, you know, he's about 6'8". You know, I think people have him listed as 6'9", but you look at him standing next to guys like LeBron, yeah, he's about 6'7", 6'8". So 
it, can it be a scrappy guy like that and go out there and just do everything and dive on the ball, not dive on the ball, dive on the floor for loose balls and do all those things? If that's the case, then, man, super excited to have a guy like that on your team. But, you know, everything I've seen of Larry Nance for the past seven years that he's been in the NBA, six years he's been in the NBA, hasn't been awesome. He won the dunk contest one year, mm-hmm. I think, didn't he? I think so. Yeah, and so uh, that's I mean that's cool. We'll have another dunk contest guy on the team. The one and they traded away Derek Jones Jr. in this trade. So the other dunk contest guy. He totally flamed out, by the way, at, after like three weeks in, on the team. But uh this is a little bit about Larry Nance Jr. for those who don't know. Um I'm just gonna read this is based this is a CBS Sports trade grade article. Defense has been the Trailblazers' biggest glaring weakness for several years, and adding a six foot seven forward and Nance is gonna grab you boards as a versatile defender and can get you buckets from several areas. On the floor is a huge positive. He can help take some of the pressure off Lillard and CJ by being a lob threat off screens. He can also knock down jumpers when the defense is pressuring Lillard, and he's also known as a great passer. So also what I was looking at, they have those like percentages and like deflections and stuff like that. He's a little bit more of a Robert Covington in terms of he's always in the way, and he's really good at like breaking up the team's offense. And that was one thing I fell in love with with Covington last year was just his on-ball defense wasn't as good as I thought, but, boy, he was disruptive. I think Larry Nance Jr. is a better on-ball defender, but also gives you what Covington gives you in terms of just being in the way. And that's good. That's important. Uh, one thing I also read, and, and I, I do agree with this, and it's this is the plan, and that's it. And and, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be make or break time for this team and for Ole Shea, too is I think what Olshay is doing is he's trying to prove his thought that the roster was not the problem to Damian Lillard uh, and say, or at least the starting roster, and say, look, I understand we didn't have enough defense on the second unit. Every time the second unit came in, our leads would go away. Uh, We would give up way more points than we were scoring, uh, so it just wasn't worth it. He He wants to prove that this starting five plus a more versatile defensive bench is the way to make this team more competitive. And I think if the trade deadline comes and there's a guy out there that obviously helps the team, then I think they make that move to try to keep Lillard happy. But Lillard also did his little Instagram live thing this week, and he said, I'm in PDX, at least right now, basically. And it was like, (laughs) the way he said it, it's like, I'm not leaving, at least not yet. It's like, oh, my God, that doesn't make you feel good. But... I think I think that's what Olshay is planning here is this is it is tweaks. It's around the edges and we hate it. I hate it. But I think that's what his plan is, is look, I built a good team. I just had the wrong secondary pieces. One thing that I saw about this trade that I don't know who said it, but it was a good way of putting it is that it doesn't so much. It, it raises the floor of the Blazers like they they're not going to finit be a worse team. Like mm-hmm. you're saying, it makes them better, but it doesn't really raise the ceiling for this team by any means. And I think you're exactly right about the whole second unit. One of the things I'm looking forward to this year, as much as I loved Carmelo in a Blazers jersey the last two seasons, it could be a black hole with him in that second unit when he came in on the floor. And now with those shots kind of being dispersed between Anthony, whoever the hell else wants to shoot in the second unit, trying to find better shots rather than just going ISO ball and better defense, um, the second unit is going to be like instrumental to how good this team will be going forward because of throughout the years too. It's like how many times would Dame come off the floor 
and then the team would just fall apart right away, even without Melo. But like before that, that was the case too. Yep. It was like, all right, well, Dame's out now. All right, get back in there, save us. And I think that's the, if I'm going to try to put a little glass half full on this and I, I, I don't want, I really don't want to, like I, I said this before the off season, I said, if there are not major changes on the team, it is a failure. There have not been major changes on the team. So yes, I do. I do view this off season as a failure. It is very frustrating sitting here and watching this unfold, knowing that the superstar who is the best player in your franchise's history may want to leave. If he doesn't see marked improvement this year, when you play in the regular season, it's very frustrating. But if I'm going to look at a glass half full, there's a couple ways you can do that. One, you can say when these, these five players starting five were on the court last year, they had the third best net rating of any team in the NBA. Um, that's what Olshea has said, but it is, it is a true stat. The stat doesn't lie. The starting five of Dame, CJ, Norm coming to Nurk was one of the three best starting fives in the NBA when they played together at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. It is a smaller sample size. It's not, it's not a full season, but it is a stat that is a real stat that exists that is a positive. And then on the other side, you are going to hopefully see the jump from Ant Simons to be a really legitimate uh, presence on this team. He showed a right. little bit of it last year, but was a little inconsistent as well. And then you're hoping for Nasir Little to also make a jump. And then you're hoping you're better defensively. So if you are better defensively on the second unit, you are not going to blow leads and your and your and your six point deficit's not going to turn into fifteen points when Dame comes back in. Um and then you got a good starting five. If you stay healthy, hopefully that makes you competitive. And that's all that, that's the glass half full way to look at it. I'm just trying to stay positive in any way because yes, I'm still gonna watch this team. And otherwise, I would just be hate watching them. So for me, uh, the game NBA 2K uh, hasn't really lied to me. And when players, uh, after you play with them for a little bit, if you're in a franchise, play for a few years, then uh, some guys get better. They get progressively worse or whatever. And on my game, no matter, I got two different my players, and Nazir Little becomes a beast every single time I play in that game. Uh, Anthony Simons becomes somebody that can be really, really, uh, beneficial to your team. I'm just hoping that my game is right <laughs> again this time. <laughs> Open the video game is reality. I'm just hoping it is because I, I, the last, the first time it happened was with Paul George and and um, Danny Granger. And Danny Granger always took his spot. Paul George always took Danny Granger's spot every time. And then lo and behold, he actually became the guy. That's happened a few times afterwards. So I'm hoping this time it's <laughs> for real because I think Nazir Little uh, can be a really really good NBA player. Will he ever be an All Star? Who knows? But I think he has a lot of tools to eventually be. And I think Simons can be one of the deadliest scorers in the league. Like if he can, if he can really get that jump shot all as consistent as it was towards the end of the season, amen. And the fact that he continues to grow and got long arms, he can be dope. All right, we're way over. Let's uh, take a break. Coming back next hour, a couple of texts on this, and then we'll get into uh, the next division. And then hate it or love it at ten thirty. This is Sports on the Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 